God, we just come before you and we thank you for your powerful presence that overwhelms us, God, that when we feel like we are overwhelmed by fear and busyness and life, that we can remember that you overwhelm us with your presence, that we don't have to sit in that chaos. We can push it aside, we can trust you, and we can be surrounded and overwhelmed by your presence. And so, God, I just pray that you would speak to us as individuals. God, the way that you have spoken to my heart so clearly um, about what I want to share, God, I know that it's not just for a few women. I know that every woman in this room, every lady in this room, you have something for her. You have something specific for her. You want to speak to her right where she's at. So God, do that. Be faithful because that's who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a couple reasons why I believe the enemy wants us to live in fear. The first reason is the enemy wants us to be so afraid that it leads us to settle for everything less than God has planned for us. He wants us to miss out on the rich and satisfying life God tells us he wants us to have, which is found in John 10.10. 10. It says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill, kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God has great purposes for you, and the enemy wants you to be so afraid that you miss out on those things. The second reason is the enemy wants us to be so bound and tied up in fear that it keeps us from our God-given destiny. He doesn't want us to believe that God said that he has great purpose for our life and that he set that purpose into motion before we were even born. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. How amazing is that? And so I want to share in the book, Priscilla describes to us the motive of our enemy when it comes to fear. So it says this in the book, in the chapter of fear. It has this little insert. It says, if I were your enemy, I'd magnify your fears, making them insurmountable, intimidating you with enough worries until avoiding them becomes your driving motivation. I would use anxiety to cripple you, to paralyze you, leaving you indecisive, clinging to safety and sameness, always on the defense because of what might happen. When you hear the word of faith, all I'd want you to hear is unnecessary risk. And so this intimidating, anxious, paralyzing fear reminds me of the story of Elijah. So I want to talk a little bit about Elijah, Elijah's struggle with paralyzing fear. So in 1 Kings Chapter 17 and 18, we learn about a, a man named Elijah who was used by God to do some pretty miraculous things. Elijah was a prophet of God. God chose Elijah to guide his people out of corruption and suffering during a time where people were like, we don't care about you, God. We, we don't believe in you. We don't care about you. We're going to worship Baal, this, God, this rain God, because we're in a drought, and we don't believe that you can do it, but we believe this fake God can. In their mind, it was real, but it's wild. It was a pretty crazy time, and God sent him in the middle of people who were like, we don't care about God, and you want to tell us about God? I'd be a little afraid <laughs> of that. Um, but Elijah allowed God to work through him to perform many miracles and wonders which included just some of the following. The first one was 
uh, God, through Elijah, caused the rain to stop for three and a half years. Um, believing for and receiving food, God fed Elijah by the ravens. And so that was a miracle, that he believed God to feed him and take care of him through um, a time where there was no food around. And also there was a miracle of endless flour and oil for a widow and her son that were about to bake and have their last meal before they died because there was no food left. But God provided endless flour and oil. I mean, that is wild. And then there was the miracle of bringing the widow's son back to life. The widow's son died while Elijah was there, and he went and he prayed, and the son was brought back to life. That is a miracle and wonder of God. Like, that is amazing. And also, Elijah called down fire from heaven. That is crazy. It's even hard to imagine a prophet of God calling down fire from heaven, but he did it. And then causing it to rain again. God did that through Elijah. And so after so many miracles, you would think this prophet could face anything. I mean, if God did all of these things in his life, you would think that he's like, wow, I got this. Like, I can make it through life. I've seen God be faithful. But after Elijah called down fire from heaven and killed all the false prophets of Baal, word got back to the evil queen, Jezebel, and she then vows to have Elijah killed if it's the last thing that she does. It says in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 2, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me down and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. This evil queen was like, I'm going to kill you if it's the last thing I do. That's crazy. I would be freaking out. (laughs) I would be so afraid. I would be like running so fast, the fastest I've ever run in my entire life, honestly. And I think you can relate with that. But you know, this prophet of God, wouldn't you think after all of the miracles that he saw in his life, he saw God show up, he saw God meet him faithfully, he saw God do amazing things, you would think that Elijah would respond with like, God, you got this. But actually, he doesn't have the response you would expect. He becomes afraid. And not only does he become afraid, he allows fear to encourage him to run from everything, including God's plan for his life. And to get so bound by fear and so tied up by fear that he gives up on life altogether. Like he's not even thinking about God's plan. He's like, I just don't want to live anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. And we see this change happen in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. In verse 3 it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. So his fear got him to a place where he started running after he had seen all that God did. It also says in this, um, in 1 Kings 19.4, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Elijah had trusted God for so much in his life, but even then, the enemy used fear to intimidate and paralyze him, and even to take steps back to where he totally had given up. But I'm here this morning to share with you that that is not where the story ended with Elijah. That's not where it ended. And so... 
we need to know this this morning. We need to wrap our hearts around this because God didn't just do this for Elijah, but he does it for us. He met Elijah right where he was. In the middle of his darkest moment, God went to him. The moment he had given up on life, not even like, God, I don't want what you want. He said, God, kill me now. I'm out. I'm out of, I don't want to do life even. But God met him in that moment. The Lord actually sent an angel to Elijah to take care of him in that moment. So in his, in, in the state of giving up on everything, God pursued him and even provided an angel to meet him there and, and gave him food and water to help him in his weakness. It says in 1 Kings 19.5, then he lay down and slept under a broom tree, but he was sleeping. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. You see, God cares deeply for us. Even when we forget to trust him and become bound by fear, he still shows his love for us. Seriously, what an amazing God that we serve, that he, he comes to us, he sees us. He, he doesn't just know that we're there, he actually makes action steps towards us in those deep, dark moments, just like he did for Elijah. And so in 1 John 3, 1, it says, see how very much our father loves us. For he called us his children, and that is what we are. So the Lord responds first with love and care for Elijah. And then he asks Elijah to go and find Elisha. In 1 Kings 19, 16, it says, God's telling Elijah this, Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mehola, to replace you as my prophet. So he's not only saying, get up and go. He's saying, go and begin pouring into the next generation because he's going to be the prophet after you. And so Elijah had a choice in that moment when God asked him to do that. He could listen to and trust God to fulfill the great purpose he had for him in the middle of being afraid. I mean, remember, this is all in the middle of him giving up on life altogether. So he could sit, he could he could choose to um, listen to God and fulfill that great purpose, or he could continue to hold on to the fear and give up on all of God's plans for him. So he had two different choices. And also you see, the next generation depends on our choice to not give up on trusting God and his plans for our life. God doesn't just take care of us so that we can just be well. He takes care of us and helps us so that we can fulfill his purpose in our life, which also directly affects the plans and purposes of God in the next generation. God wants to do so much more with your life than you could ever imagine. He wants to use you to do amazing things in the now, but also so amazing that generations would talk about it for, to, generations to come would talk about it. Even while you're gone, God would, in the lines of generation, people would still talk about what God did in your life. That's the kind of stuff he wants to do in our life. And Elijah said yes to God. He said yes. And what happened because he said yes? Many more miracles followed, and he raised up the next generation, the next prophet, the next person who would proclaim who God was and what he was about and how much he loved them in the middle of a time where people did not care about God. They didn't care what he had to say. They didn't even believe in him. And so he not only got up and went, but he raised up the next prophet. In the book, Priscilla shares how Moses and the Israelites were trapped in the middle of the raging Red Sea and the Egyptian pharaoh and his armies. 
And so can you just picture that for a minute with me? So here's Moses and the Israelites. And then there's this crazy sea. It's raging. It's storming. It's like chaos, right? And they're standing there. And then on the other side, they see Pharaoh and his armies, and they're coming after Moses and the Israelites to kill them. Like, they're coming ready to, to kill them. I mean, it's crazy. So the, the Israelites and Moses are in the middle of chaos, chaos. They could die in the sea, and they're also being faced with death on this side. But in the middle of that, Moses, before he knew exactly what God would do, he said this in Exodus 4, 14, 13. It says, do not fear. In the middle of chaos, Moses proclaimed that we should not fear. And catch this. I love how Priscilla goes into this in the book. It says, Moses didn't tell them not to feel fear. I'm sure they felt very afraid, like very afraid. Because fear is a natural human response to some things in life. But Moses' words, they encourage the Israelites, but they should also encourage us today to say yes to God in the middle of fear. So if you feel like in life you have chaos on this side, chaos on this side, chaos on this side, and chaos behind you, say yes to God in the middle of all of that. And I promise he will show up for you just like he did for Moses and the Israelites and and Elijah. And I could go on and on about how God always shows up and always is faithful. So we can say yes in the middle of our fear today too. And so I'm going to share a little bit of my personal story and how I struggled with paralyzing fear. So seven years ago, I was sitting in my first aid course at RCC Norco in the middle of just an average moment. I felt my heart begin to just beat really fast. I tried to breathe slower. I tried to drink water just to try to figure out, okay, what's going on? Like I'm it's weird, my heart's sort of racing, I don't know what's going on, I've never felt like that before. And then I sort of felt adrenaline begin to like, kind of take over and my heart began to race faster. And so in that, I was like, oh, I can't sit in class, like I'm, you know, when adrenaline's going, you're like, uh, so then I was like, I need to get up and I need to go. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, I'm gonna calm down. This is like in the middle of class, so I get up, my teacher's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom, bye. Like, I gotta go, Um, because I was freaking out. And uh, nothing would help calm me down. I went to the bathroom, I had a moment away where no one was around, and I could talk myself down, like, you're okay, you're fine. Heart, stop beating, I mean, don't stop beating, but like, slow down, you know? I don't wanna die, but like, you know, this is too much, like, slow my heart, like, I, and I'm like, God, help me, you know? And I, nothing, I was like, it just kept going, and then, my worries began to grow. I began to focus on all that was happening. And in that moment, I was just focused on, like, there's something wrong. And so I felt crippling fear. Like, fear began to, like, I felt like I'm going to die. Like, it just started to, like, kind of take over. It was, it was crazy the, the way I felt in that moment. And so I was like, I need to go to the hospital because <laughs> I feel like there's something seriously wrong. And so I was closer to my mom than I was home, so I drove to her house, and I was like, Mom, take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. My heart won't stop racing. And she's like, what? Because she freaks out as much as me. She's like, what? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. So we're both like, ah, and I'm, <laughs> we're going, you know, in this really, really scary moment, we're, we're both, you know, talking about it now. We were both kind of freaking out, but it was a very serious moment where I was like, something is, is seriously wrong, and 
We got to the ER in Riverside. They began to ask me questions and tried to assess what was going on with me. Um, as I was laying in bed in the ER, my heart was racing 160 beats per minute. I was just laying down, and it was just like da 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 You can even see my chest moving. Like, it was crazy. And they gave me fluids. They did an echocardiogram. You know, they went down the line. They did blood work. And the doctor was like, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything checks out, except that your heart won't stop. It's just like racing. It just won't stop racing. And... He explained to me, I think you experienced a panic attack and that you need to follow up with your doctor. And so, of course, two weeks later, um, I follow up with my doctor. And after many tests, she did the same test. She did an echocardiogram, you know, did my blood work, checked me out a little closer. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything checks out, except that when you're in my office, your heart rate won't go down. <laughs> because I would, you know, go to the doctors and then it would begin to race because I'm, you know, sitting in my worry. So it just, you know, I was like, if I go home and, like, I have time to breathe and all of this, then I'll be okay. So could you come to my house and take my pulse there? <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to say that to the doctor because you're like, right now it's, you know, that's how I am. And so my doctor was like, we got to do something. You, you need to take medication. And she um, diagnosed me with general anxiety um, because of all the panic attacks that I was having. And then... Um, she said, you need to take medication, and I was like, no, I'm not taking medication. I'm not doing it. But I knew in that moment that I would go home and make some big changes in my life, that uh, my body was physically telling me that I needed to change my pace and get some things in order. My body was showing me that fear had been ruling my life for too long, and it was showing physically through my heart rate. And then... And I was like, okay, I'll drink teas, I'll, you know, all of these things that will help, I'll stop. I didn't drink coffee for three years. I cut out all caffeine, cut out most sugars, just because I was like, physically, I'm going to do all that I can. And um, two weeks later, I was walking on my break at work and just taking a walk on my break, trying to like unwind from all the office stuff that I was doing. And in the middle of that, I had the worst panic attack I had ever had. I walked in to my coworkers and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. And they're like, your, your face is white. Do you want me to call an ambulance? I was like, well, I think my husband's like five minutes away because he's hanging out with his friend, which was totally a God thing. I'm like, I'm going to call him to take me to urgent care. So I called Corey. He drove over, um, took me to urgent care in the middle of my day at work. And after the trip to urgent care, the urgent care doctor said, you are not leaving here without medication. Because your heart, you keep on having tachycardia. Your heart will not stop racing. And you cannot live like this. You cannot live like this. And so going home with medication, knowing I had to take medication to make my body physically slow down because my mind couldn't function properly, my body couldn't function pro properly, I felt so defeated. I felt down. I felt discouraged. And really, I began to give up because of fear. When I was diagnosed with general anxiety and started medication, I was four years into youth ministry. I was the one at youth that had to be ready to pray with girls and encourage them in the Lord. And um, I was married to a pastor. Like, I was a pastor's wife. Like, you know, and, and I was in the middle of it, like, ready to give up. I had trusted God. I had seen God 
move faithful in my life and, and really do miracle after miracle. And similar to Elijah, I mean different miracles, but really seeing God move in miraculous ways where I could never deny him in my life. So I was really confused and I couldn't understand why this type of fear, like you get the normal fear where you're like, well, I'm afraid, but then you can kind of like move on. This kind of fear was forcing me to get on medication and my doctors were like, what is going on with you? Um, and so I couldn't understand in the middle of all this amazing stuff that God's doing, how I was so gripped by fear in my life and how it began to rule my life. It made me question everything. It really made me feel like giving up. And in, those, and in that specific time, I experienced many different thoughts, but a couple of the most haunting ones uh, I experienced, or sorry, a couple of the most serious ones that I experienced, the thoughts that I had in those moments was that one, I couldn't go on. Like that's a scary thought. I felt like I couldn't work anymore. I was literally putting our finances together on our budget, like I can't work, so we're gonna have to make it work just on Corey's finances. You know, I, I was serious. I felt like I couldn't do ministry anymore. And I got to a really low place where I felt like I needed to begin writing letters to my family uh, saying goodbye in case the doctors were wrong and there was something seriously wrong with me. Like I was in a weird, dark, low place. I was lost, I was confused and completely bound by fear. Like fear paralyzed me. I didn't wanna move, I didn't wanna go forward, I just wanted to stay home. And the enemy used fear to lead me to forget who I was in Christ and God's promises for my life. And just like Elijah, my story did not end there. It didn't end there. And so I need to share that with you this morning. I was faced with the choice just like Elijah in 2013. I could choose to not trust God and stay bound by fear and never face it. Just stay stuck, really. Or I could choose to trust God, listen to his word, and walk out the reality of my trust in him into the incredible future that he had for me and I remember getting home from the doctors when I had this choice. Because I knew in that moment when I was getting home with the medication, set it on my counter, I was like, yep, I can take this, you know, and I can stay stuck and make no other movements and just kind of do what the doctor tells me to do and stay stuck in it. And I, uh, I remember I had gotten into such a, I, was, I felt so defeated because I had to start taking medication in order to get my body to physically work right. And so before I move on, I just wanna stop and encourage anyone in this room who's taking medication for anxiety, I just want you to know that you are not a horrible person. You are not weak and you are not living in defeat. You need to know that because I felt weak. I felt like I was defeated. I felt like I was a horrible person because I needed medication. Did you know that when you're struggling, it means you haven't given up? Continue to struggle forward. Continue to struggle and wrestle with, I'm not giving up, I'm not staying in this, I'm gonna, and it's okay. I don't know why we think struggle is a bad word. It's a good word, it means you haven't given up. If someone isn't struggling, then you've probably given up. You know, we, we need to continue to struggle and to fight for freedom. And so I wanna encourage you to trust God and I want you to know that there's no condemnation for you. God is right there, just like for Elijah. He meets you right there in your darkest moments. Just like he did for me when I had felt like I'm giving up, God met me there and he reminded me of his word. 
and choose to run to him and not away from him. Don't run away from church because you're struggling with anxiety and fear and you're taking medication. Run to church. Start talking to women. Start getting women to pray for you. Start walking out the truth of what God has spoken over you. And I promise you, he will bring people in your life that will change everything that are sent by him. He will give you scriptures in his word and he will bring his Holy Spirit to you in specific moments to help you, encourage you, and to give you all that you need to walk through it. And so in that moment, I cried out when I had the medication on my counter. I was crying out to God like, I am hurt, I am frustrated. And then I noticed my Bible. It was sitting on my coffee table. And I was like, well, yes, I should open it. <laughs> you know, in that moment, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I should do that. So I was like, yep, I'm going to go open my Bible. And the Lord, I'm so glad that I did. Because the Lord led me to a specific scripture that in that tender moment, he met me right where I was, and it was Isaiah 43, 2. He says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. In that moment, I decided, all right, God, you spoke to me. I'm going to cling to that word. And in 2013, I began to write my prayers out in a journal. So this is my journal from 2013 that um, I started to write my prayers out. And in the darkest time of my life, I had a woman that was praying for me, a godly woman, who gave me this journal and said, write out your prayers. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm kind of mad right now, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm in the middle of all this. So in the middle of my darkest moments, I, didn't run, I felt like I couldn't run to anybody else. Corey couldn't help me. Nobody. My mom couldn't help me. It was like all I had was the word of God and him and, and him meeting me. And so I began to write out everything to him in 2013. So this is my journal from there. My life changed the day I decided to cling to God's word, take it serious, trust him and the promises he has for my life. And when I started to write out my prayers, it changed everything for me. So the year that I was on medication was the year that I journaled probably the most because I had a lot to say. <laughs> and so I just want to let you know that today, on this stage, I'm standing here in freedom. Freedom. God has brought me to freedom. He has. And he showed me, not only has he set me free from this fear that paralyzed me, obviously, because I'm standing here. Like me speaking to you is, is, is that, no, 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 fear has no hold. It will not paralyze you anymore. It will not bind you in a mess. You can stand and speak God's word because God has called you to and he will help you. And it's not just for you because you need to speak it to women that need it, people in your life that need it. God wants to use you for that. And so I'm, I'm like, God, use me. <laughs> Because he has brought me through. He has brought me to freedom. And now, when I, I still face fear, you know, even getting up here to speak, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you get like that little thing. But I'm like, no, 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 no. God has a word. God has a word. And I believe that wholly, that God does the work in our hearts and he brings us to freedom. And when I face fears in my life now, I know what to turn to and who to turn to and how to walk that out with God. And so I turn to his word and I don't say no out of fear anymore. If God has given me something and he has given me peace about it and he has told me to do it, I'm not allowed to say no out of fear anymore. I say yes and I walk it out in the middle of fear. So I still have to 
process with God and trust God. Just because he set me free doesn't mean that I don't have times where fear will come, but I know how to say, no, bye, and walk on and say, you know what, God's got me and I'm okay. And so God's very words and my prayers to him helped me face these fears that the enemy was feeding me for a long time. And so I just want to let you know that I've been medication-free for over five years. I'm still in ministry. I'm living in the things. Yes, God is so good. God is so good. I'm living in the things that I prayed for right now. And I'm living out my purpose, not only for myself, but God has given me an avenue to, to really see the next generation being ministered to. Through Bridge Youth, we are seeing God move. We are seeing God move at Bridge Youth. And, uh, and it's amazing. Yes, God is so good. And I'm so glad that I didn't give in to fear and I didn't stay bound in it because I'm seeing God raise up the next generation. And God has brought girls in my life where I've been able to specifically speak about being free from anxiety. God has done that. It wasn't just to make me well. It was to live out his purpose in my life. And so, you know, I believe God wants to do that for you in this room today. And, and when I face fear now, there's a scripture that I go to. And it reminds me of who God is and how much he loves us. In 1 John 4, 16, it says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. And so I want to tell you this morning that your story does not have to end in defeat. That we will see ourselves on the other side of victory when we trust God and believe the truth of his love for us. The enemy's strategy to bind us in fear is real. But God is constantly reminding, of, reminding us in his word to fear not. Just like he spoke through Moses. He's constantly reminding us to fear not. There are over a hundred times in the Bible where God says, fear not. And he tells us to not be afraid. And I want to share some of those scriptures with you this morning because these are some of the scriptures that will help me when I'm facing fear. I remember. I get in my word. I get my God's promises book and I go to the little section that says fear and I just start praying those over me and over my life. But here's a couple of verses that hopefully will encourage you. I know that if they've encouraged me in this, I know that they will encourage you. So the first one is Isaiah 41.10. It says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In Psalm 56.3, it says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. John 14.20 says, 27 says, I am leaving with, or you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Psalm 94, 19 says, when doubt fills my mind, you comfort me, or your comfort gave me a renewed hope and cheer. Isaiah 43, 1 says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Mark 6.50 says, But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. 
He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And the last one I want to share with you is Deuteronomy 3.22. It says, do not be afraid of the nations, therefore the Lord your God will fight for you. And so in this series, we've been writing out our prayers for these specific areas. And so we want to encourage you to write out your prayer when it comes to fear. When the enemy tries to come with fear, you to have a prayer ready to just speak against that and to pray over you. And so I'm going to share the personal prayer that I wrote for my life. And if there's anyone in this room that you have struggled with this specific kind of fear, I want you to just wrap your heart around it and let it remind you of God's goodness and God's strength and, and who God really is and what he'll do for us and how faithful he is. But I also want to encourage you to write out your own prayer because we all face fears in life. No matter where we're from, how we've been brought up, we face fears. And I believe that God will meet you right where you are. And as you write these specific prayers, I believe God will show up right away. And he will be faithful. Just like he was faithful to Elijah, just like he was faithful to me, he will be faithful to you to show up when you need him. And so as I share my prayer with you, as we pray together, if you've specifically struggled with this, I want to say you're not alone. I get it. I understand. And there's another side to it. Don't put a period on a place where God puts a comma. The story isn't finished. Your story doesn't end in defeat. Your story doesn't end in being bound in fear. There's another side to this. Believe God for that other side if you're in the middle of it because he will do it for you. So let me just share my prayer with you as we pray together. Thank you, Lord, for always showing up. You are faithful always and forever. You care so deeply for me as your daughter. In every need and circumstance, you are good enough for me. Thank you for walking hand in hand with me through the good times and the difficult times. Thank you for showing me what real love truly is each day as I get to know you more. I'm sorry that in life I've had moments where I forget who you truly are and what you can truly do. Continue to help me develop as your daughter. I want to be better and stronger than I was yesterday. I want to live in constant communication with you, and I want to be directed by your Holy Spirit in all that I do. In this moment, I ask that your love would continue to surround me and drown out every fear that I face in life. I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to me in moments of weakness, reminding me of your great purpose for my life. I ask that you would give me such a strong determination to walk out the truth you've spoken over me that I would never, ever second guess the great future you have for me ever again. Right now, I put my full trust in your word, which tells me in 2 Timothy 1.7 that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In Psalm 56, three through four, it says that when I face fear in life, I can put my full trust in you. And according to John 14, 27, you have given me peace, not worldly peace, but the kind of peace that will protect my heart from being troubled in every situation, the kind of peace that will cover every area of my life. In Hebrews 10, 23, you have encouraged me to hold tightly to hope because you will keep your promise to love, protect, guide, and to never leave my side. I will cling to that hope at all costs because it is where I find true purpose for life. You are my purpose for life. 
now and always. In Jesus' name, amen.